everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Double Date with Dateline. It's a double date. Yeah. We haven't done one in a while, but here we are. We're back with blood relatives. I just can't quit it. We can't quit it. Yeah. Sorry, all three of you who told us you were over it. Oh, but this one's an interesting blood relative. So hang in there. If you were one of those people, don't shut this off right now. Just hang in there. This was a special episode. I kind of picked it for a reason. This is a good transition episode if we decided to leave for a minute and then return. Okay. Because this is much more like a normal ID episode with some wacky stuff thrown in occasionally. Okay. That's what I meant. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see you. Okay. I hear you. Thank I feel you. you. <laughs> I smell you. Thanks. We're doing Thanksgiving Day charade. We're a little late. I prefer charade. Oh, do you now? Charade. We're doing Thanksgiving Day charade, and it's season six, so final episode, episode seven, almost the last episode. So this is like the end of the blood relatives that's available on Discovery Plus anyways. I don't know if they did a season seven. No, I haven't seen one. I haven't either. Okay. We're a little late. Sorry about the holiday. If you're thinking about it, ID, we would like to be consulted. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be cool if we were consultants, on-set consultants? We would like jobs Yeah, with this. Absolutely. By the way, we're doing blood relatives on the ID network for anybody who happens to be new. That's what I'm talking about. I just assume everyone knows by now. Blood relatives. It's a weird, really weird show. There's no, I feel like we have to explain it each time. It's bizarre. You'll pick up on it quickly. You'll pick up. So... Opening shots, we see a lot of flashing images, including a bloody hammer, serial killer books, which I'm not mystery books, specifically serial killer books, because mm-hmm. they say it on the cover. <laughs> Book about serial killers. Yeah. But like also looks like a romance novel. Like it's very, <laughs> it's like a very swirly cover. Do you know what I'm talking about? That kind of cover? Okay. And then the word beware spelled out in what looked to me at the time like little wooden letters. Yeah, I thought they were cookies. I could have just been very hungry. Could have been cookies. Yeah. We also see a large reptile lizard in our very first shot when the warning comes on. Did he look to be as big as a forearm? Big booty Judy lizard. Yeah. Large and in charge. I don't know what it is. I don't either. But he also had a tongue that was going like a snake. Yeah. Okay. So neither of us know what it is, but it's a large reptile at the beginning. And I'm assuming that's our animal for the episode. So if you're new to Blood Relatives, we have very special themed animals and themed colors and themed other things that happen throughout this show. Okay. Our story for this takes place in East Hartford, Connecticut, where Brenda Strong, who's our narrator, tells us not to be confused with Brenda Song. Not Brenda Song. Brenda Strong tells us the American dream becomes reality. I feel like that's true of Connecticut. I don't know much. Yeah, but I know I love you. But I know I love it. That's Aaron Neville. Don't get me started. So I think I always just think money. I think that's probably incorrect. And I'm sure Connecticut Indians are going to come at me. But Mm -hmm. I assume that Connecticut is where rich people live. Yeah, I assume that as well. Oh, great. Okay. So married couple, Beverly and Andrew Bednards, Bednards, Beverly and Andrew are living the dream. They have a large, beautiful family home where we see Beverly gardening and we see the large lizard 
hanging out in the grass. She doesn't see him. I don't know if he's anywhere nearby. We just get a shot of him in some grass. Yeah, I think he's invisible. Yeah, I think so, too. I think he also may be far away from where she is. Hard to tell. But he's really big. Sorry, I have to keep emphasizing that because I don't mind lizards, but I don't know how I felt about this lizard. I don't know if I'd want to run into him. No, this should be at some sort of aquarium. Yeah, a vivarium, right. A vivarium, sure, yeah. Yeah, vivarium is where like those places where like the snakes are and things. He was like the boa constrictor of snakes. He was that for the lizard family. Yeah, okay. that's fair. So Beverly Bednars is retired. She's in her 70s and she loves spending time in her garden. She is also dressed in lavender. She looks 49 if she's a day. I said 55 tops. I agree. There's no way this woman is in her 70s or she has had amazing work done. I am not sure if this actress was happy about doing this role because she was playing a 70-something-year-old. Yeah. No. This woman is a hot tamale. She has toned upper arms. She has great skin. She has a bombing figure. She looks like a real housewife. Yeah, and she has a very defined upper lip that I find very... I love people with a lip like that that kind of purses naturally. It's very pretty looking to me. I think because I don't have one. You notice funny things. I zoom in on it. She's just lovely looking. But we're supposed to believe that she's 70 and a gardener. We are told that Beverly has a great personality and draws people to her. And at the same time, as we're told she draws people to her, she is drawing something out of the dirt the soil that she's toiling with and it's some sort of a dirty star that i thought was a army badge from army no it's not she shows it to her husband andrew who walks up and he is in a darker shade of purple which i called puce i'm not sure if that's what color puce is but i might be right they discuss that the star belongs to someone named brett and they also discuss that andrew the dad the granddad dad has a wood shop So obviously that's what he does in his retirement. And then we sort of figure out that the wood star is a wood star, not a badge of some sort. Yeah, I still never understood what was the deal with that star. There's a few things that are left unanswered in this that I feel I don't know if they were supposed to mean something else. Yeah. Is star our shape? I don't think so. Just wood. I think wood is our theme. Wooden things. Would you be my date to Thanksgiving? It would work better if Thanksgiving hadn't happened yet. This is a Thanksgiving episode. Okay, anyways. But when I said they're discussing it, I mean that they are actually discussing it. This is very rare and new for blood relatives. Generally, our actors do not have conversation. And this episode has a ton of dialogue between the actors. Brenda Strong usually is telling us everything, but not in this one. This is season six. They can afford to pay their actors to have lines. But we have done multiple episodes from season six, and I don't feel like it was this much dialogue. It's a lot. It's exciting, though. I was happy about it. So quickly, we find out that the Brett that they made, that Andrew made the star for, is the Bernard's son, and their other child is a daughter, and her name is Candace. And we find this out because they are, the children are pulling up together in a white car, and they're pulling food and drink out of the car in the driveway. They're all, by the way, dressed in various shades of purples and violets. And Yeah, I missed that completely. They're all... Oh, you did? No. Did not get it. Did you miss the color? 
Yeah, completely. Oh, cool. Okay, great. Then this is going to be fun for you because I'll point it out. They're all doing it. And I think I know why. It's right now. It's pretty quick here. We figure out why. So the, all the children are here for dinner, including Candace's husband, Jose. And she has a 17-year-old daughter named Tiffany. Who's played by an actress who is 32. Correct. There we go. I said 34. There. Nailed it. But she's short. So I think that denotes that she's young. She is a shorty and it's stood out to me because I don't see people my size usually on television, like standing amongst regular sized heighted people. But you know, that's not true. A lot of times people are all your size. And then so she might be for something for eight. Yeah, they're not standing on an apple box or something. They put her in flats. They want her to look short because she's 34 and she's playing a 17-year-old. So they're trying to convey that she's young. So we're trying to, yeah, understood. Okay, it's time for the kitchen scene, which we always have in Blood Relatives. Candace, the daughter, is arranging maroon flowers in a vase and shows off her berry pie. So that's it. We're in berry tones for this whole episode. It's all berry tones. Oh, okay. Yeah even though we never see berries again after the pie. We never do. And I sort of thought we would, and we never do, but we see various shades of purple and violet throughout the entire thing. Okay. Sorry. And we also see some red, which is a berry tone. I saw red, but not enough to claim that it was the color. So when you look at the pie, you'll see that it's got red and purple and a darker purple. It's got all the... Uh, that's weak sauce. I'm not. That's what they've done. I think this is coincidence. I'm going to wait until you point out more purples that I missed. It, they're wearing it the whole time, except for when they're wearing red. Does that help? No, not at all. Okay, cool. So the berry pie goes on the table. Oh, I just I wrote in my notes, actually. Let's see if we see more red down the line. I was right. Okay, so we find out Candace is a lot like her mom, the daughter, and she has a big people personality. Everyone likes her. Is this how people normally dress and act when they go and have dinner at their family's house? Like wearing heels and like nice dresses and like, where would you like this, mother? Oh, put it on the table, Candace. Okay. Well, Kimberly, where are they? Connecticut. If I was going to a family Sunday dinner in Connecticut, I would wear a small heel. Okay. That's fair. Does that help? And like a cardigan. Yeah. Okay. I don't belong in Connecticut. No, I don't quite either. Which is sad because I really love New England area and I would like to spend time there. I think there are gothier parts. I mean, you don't want to hang out. in the. You might come to the gothier spots with me. Oliver and I were considering Provincetown, Rhode Island. Hmm. That looks like a lot of fun. I think we'd have fun there. I think there's parts of it. Maybe Salem. Mm. There we go. So they're all very fancy at this dinner, which at this point, we'll get to it. I got confused. We also find out that Candace's brother, Brett, and herself are very loyal to each other. That seemed weird to me. <laughs> Anytime I see a brother and sister that are that close, I immediately think incest. That's why I paused. I just <laughs> went, I put in my notes, pause for Kimberly, because... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what my problem is. I see incest <laughs> everywhere. Maybe because my brother and I are not hug. We wouldn't. We don't hug or anything. You know, if I see a brother and sister that are yeah. diehard loyal to each other, at the expense of their own spouses, right? Like Lori Vallow and Alex. I'm like, that's weird. How old were you when you read Flowers in the Attic? <laughs> Probably too young. It made it quite an impression. Were you young though? I 
I'm serious. Were you like maybe 10 or 9? No, I think I saw the movie first when I was at Danielle's house when I was probably junior high, early, like 11 or something. Yeah, that did it. Yeah, that probably did. Okay, so there we have it. We've narrowed it down and solved it. Okay, well, they are very loyal to each other. And we'll find out in a minute how loyal. Also, we find out that Candace's husband, Jose, is a hard worker with two retail jobs with really odd hours. It seems like he works all the time. Now, he's doing some very strange action at this point. I've never seen this before. Can you tell me what he's doing? What's he doing? So there appears to be like a wooden box without a lid that has different compartments in it, like different squares. They're like two by two. Yeah, little squares, wooden box or wooden tray kind of. And in each separate thing, there seems to be some sort of maybe a spice that we don't know. And they're not labeled or anything. You wouldn't be able to go, this is cumin. This one is cardamom. You would have no idea. Yeah, exactly. They all look kind of the same. And then he's like picking out spices and sprinkling them on a salad or something. With the tiniest little child spoon. With a tiny, with a little baby spoon, which I do love because it's tiny. I have a couple of those little spoons and these little containers that it came with. They're these little pop-top collectible spoons. Yeah, kind of, with these little wooden spoons. But it looks strange. He's a grown man, and this spoon is so tiny. But also, why is he sprinkling spices on a Was it a salad? It was a salad. Yes, it was a salad. Why was he sprinkling spices on a salad? Dress up that mother F with some dressing. I wrote all these questions down and was hoping to have them answered, but apparently you just have more questions so okay oh no way jose what is jose doing with that spices i don't like that i don't know mystery spice it seemed weird yeah because they're not labeled again they're not labeled and nobody puts dry spices on wet lettuce that's no not cool and also no one keeps spices in that sort of weird box thing where was the lid? What kind of a lid goes on? Okay, I don't... Again, there is no lid and it's not labeled. Maybe the lid had labels on them and then you'd kind of have to put the lid back on to see which square had the paprika. I don't know. How much storage do you have in your house that you can have a horizontal wooden box filled with spice? You need that vertical. No. See, the van lifers I follow, they all have the spices in these little magnetic jars that stick to the fridge that makes total sense but they also probably have exactly the spices that they need and not like whatever this is and they're labeled because you can't tell what a spice is just by looking at it unless you are gordon ramsay that was the first chef i could think of there you go this seemed like something that people did when they came over on the Mayflower that the wealthy families would have in their home and the servants would come and take the tiny spoon from the wooden box and sprinkle it on the food. Yeah. Probably not a salad, but like more like on a duck, but that's fine. Seems like something when Jesus was born and the wise men had spices and... Sure. That would come in like a treasure chest, but it had little compartments. Yeah, there we go. All right. I didn't know if any of that was right as I was saying it. It is. They brought him myrrh, frankincense, and... Myrrh. No, myrrh, frankincense, and... No. Blank, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold? Wise men brought... Blank, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It is gold. 
To a baby in a manger? To a baby? Where's he going to spend that? The Bank of Bethlehem? Maybe it was for the innkeepers, for allowing them to use the barn so graciously. Jeez, what's the rate on the barn? There was no room at the end, Kimberly. They were following a star. Go sleep amongst the cow poop. Enjoy yourself. It's camels. No cows. Camels. Go sleep amongst the camel poop. There we go. And donkeys. There's always a donkey and sometimes a llama. So... Okay, after the small spooning, which I didn't understand, we find out Beverly likes Jose a lot. Beverly likes Candace's husband. Too much? Now I'm seeing mother-son-in-law relations. Well, I thought that's where this was going. So I don't think so. And it's also hard because this woman does not look her age. So it looks like that is a feasible, that is a thing. That is a, a possibility because she's so glamorous. The actress. But not in real life. We see one picture of her in real life, which we'll get to at the very end. So just wait for that. So right now we get a, a close-up of a plate of green beans. And I realized, oh, we're at Thanksgiving dinner. Because it's green beans. And every, all the dishes seem very fancy. It seems like they're using china, cut glass, drinking glasses. That it, I thought it was at Thanksgiving. I was wrong. Spoiler alert. Right. That would make sense. It is not. Also, those green beans looked exceedingly plain for a family that has an entire tray of spices. Was the spice just supposed to go on the green beans? Maybe. They looked not cooked in oil. They didn't look stir fried. They didn't look salted or peppered. They didn't look like no, there's no EVOO on them. There's nothing. They're just green beans cooked, maybe steamed with nothing. No, thank you. But you know what is thank you? A better meal that you can get from HelloFresh. Mm-hmm. Are your green beans bland? Do you not have time to pick out various spices from a strange wooden box? Yes. Who has time for that? No one. HelloFresh is for you. Don't waste time and money in long lines at the grocery store and hours spent meal planning this holiday season. You will have enough going on, updating your will to cut out your ungrateful children Spoiler alert, that might be what happens in this episode. Oi! HelloFresh's 50 menu and market items to choose from every week. They have vegetarian, calorie-smart options, extra gourmet options. They have holiday recipes and cozy soups for cold nights. They have a market now, HelloFresh Market, and they have your entertainment for the holiday season covered. They have a cheese and charcuterie board. How yes. much do you love a charcuterie board? Um, a lot. I think I could live on a charcuterie board. They also have desserts like ginger spiced cake truffles. Yes. And cherry cheesecake swirl bars. Are they trying to kill me? I want everything. Yeah, let's go with all those. You can save an average of over $65 a month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping, which means more money to buy your favorite podcasters a present. Just kidding. Oh, I love HelloFresh because it's pretty foolproof. And I inherited my cooking skills from my mom who almost burned down the house on Thanksgiving because she turned the oven up to 500 by accident. That's all right. But a HelloFresh, I can actually cook. It's amazing. I'm also thinking for the holiday season, I could make a HelloFresh meal at home, bring it to someone's house as a holiday treat or like a dinner party type thing, mm -hmm. and they would be really impressed. They wouldn't need to know I used HelloFresh and that I was lazy, and I literally got all the ingredients sent to me at my house. All I had to do was walk outside. 
but you want people to sign up for HelloFresh. So I think that might be like just you slip a card across the table at the end of the night. You're like, bye, here in this for you. They think it's a thank you card and it's everything I used tonight was from HelloFresh. <laughs> I love that. And then they'll call me. I just read the card, Kimberly. What? HelloFresh? Tell me everything. <laughs> everything. Perfect. I love it. Or maybe I'd put it like at the bottom of the dish. It's <gasps> taped to the bottom of the glass tray. And then they get to the bottom and they're like, HelloFresh. Perfect. Did it. Go to HelloFresh.com forward slash Dateline 14 and use code Dateline 14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts. Wowza. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash Dateline 14. Use code Dateline 14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts. That is HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Happy Hanukkah to us all. Exactly. Thank you, HelloFresh. Thank you, HelloFresh. You're simply the best. Simply the fresh. Oh, you're simply the fresh. You just did a new one. Yes. Okay, that's the new one. Simply the fresh. Fresher than all the rest. Okay, I'm writing it down because that's our new one for 2022. So we find out now that after I was mistaken that this is Thanksgiving dinner. You also say mashed potatoes, too. I couldn't, that sounded weird, mish potatoes. You, you said mish potatoes. <laughs> mish potatoes? I, we do. You saw green beans and mashed potatoes. We see mashed potatoes in a second because I wrote it down because I was equal, very mad. I wrote it in all caps. How is this not Thanksgiving? Okay. Tiffany, the granddaughter, is a makeup artist or trying to be, and she still lives at home with mom and dad. That's the end of that information. Meanwhile, Brett and dad Andrew... We find out they're super close, very tight, and they're poking around the dad's wood-making shop that's referenced earlier. And Dad Andrew shows Brett a special Japanese-style box with secret compartments, which I was thinking may be the spice box. Did you—did that cross your mind? I thought, we're going to find out the dad is a serial killer, and in that box, he keeps tokens of his murders, like ears. Doll parts. And jewelry, also ears, toenails, weird things from the people he killed. It's a lock of hair. Yeah, I get it. And that's why it needs to be in so many secret little compartments that he de- But he's going to about to tell his son, this is my lifetime secret. I am Dexter. I'm going to show you how to open my box of tokens. No. Well, here's what's confusing about the box is that it does appear to be not homemade. We see another box that has this sort of elaborate swirly woodworking on the top. I think it's homemade, and that's how good he was. It looks many, many, many years old. So maybe it was something that he made a long time ago. But it is very cool. I do like secret compartment boxes because you have to open one drawer that unlocks all the others. But if that one isn't unlocked, you can't open and shut things. I do like the idea of that. I think that's very fun. So that's all we really see we see the box multiple times so i thought the box was going to be way more important okay it's just cool and we find out just brett loves his dad a lot and really is into this woodworking shop we also find out that brett has no children and has never married no comment because he's in love with his sister (laughs) kimberly comment now we are back at the dinner table and brenda strong tells us that they have a family dinner all caps every sunday so forget Thanksgiving, and we have a close-up of a thing of mashed potatoes in a very fancy pot, might I add. It's like a silver filigree 
they're just a fancy family. They use a gravy boat on the reg. That's ridiculous. Some families have a briefcase that you open and it has special silverware that's like only for Thanksgiving. They use that every week. I have that. You do? I got it on eBay because I thought that I wanted gold silverware. Remember, I was really into it. So I got myself a set of gold silverware on eBay for $39.99. And it came in a very old case. So it looks really fancy. It does look fancy. Yeah. I don't know why I got that in my head. I just didn't have any silverware. And I was like, nobody has gold silverware. I'm going to do it. Well, there's a reason. (laughs) It's foolish. Anyways, it's not Thanksgiving. It's just a regular Sunday dinner. And they seem like sometimes they're fun and sometimes they go haywire. And this is one of the ones, of course, that goes haywire. The Picture Perfect family isn't so perfect because Jose, Candace's husband, spills a scotch on the table. And Jose and Candace get into an incredibly awkward argument about finances following his spill. Well, first he's like, it was just an accident. She's like, it's always an accident. What's that mean? Does he spill a lot? Is that why you're having maybe going to get divorced? Because he spills? No, but that feels like it was an accident that I put that money on those ponies. It's always an accident. You just fell into the bookie. I get it. Right. But this was literally an accident. He didn't mean to spill his drink. I thought that we were headed towards that Jose was an alcoholic. Right. Of course. We're not at all. But okay. And then Brett immediately sticks up for Candace because he thinks Jose's tone is not right. And he's in love with his sister. Which is weird. And then Mom Beverly jumps in to say, if you're having money trouble, I'll help however you need. You just let me know. Because she's in love with her son-in-law, Jose. Maybe. Which makes Candace even angrier when the mom jumps in. Why would she be mad? I think because the point of Candace's argument is you're not taking care of our family. I'm mad at you. You're a ne'er-do-well. Yeah. Even though we, all we've learned about him is that he works many jobs. All the time. And is hardworking. Constantly. And he's good with spices. Yeah. And wearing purple. That's all we know. That's all we know. In the middle of this huge argument, Dad Andrew clutches his lavender shirt in his chest area and appears to be having some sort of chest pain, a situation. But Brenda Strong tells us this time he just grins and bears it. Uh Uh-oh. I got very worried. Call the doctor. Go to the hospital. He clearly just had a mild heart situation. Well, what if he just told them it was indigestion? No, at that age, go to the hospital. At that age, you go to the hospital for sure. Now we get sepia tone on a glass of wine and the stinking mashed potatoes. But now normally in Blood Relatives, when the camera changes and we get the dark tone, something happens like there is a hand in the mashed potatoes. And there's blood everywhere. Right. And instead, absolutely nothing changes. No. They are as bland and unseasoned as they were before. Okay. Very upset. Also, where is the lizard? That's a really good question. Where is the lizard? In the mash? He should have crawled across that mashed potato. That lizard looked hard to handle. It was really big. But I appreciate you didn't forget because I didn't forget either. And I was watching like a hawk. So five days later, we're done with the dinner. It's a mess. Five days later, Brett stops by the family house and finds his dad sprawled out in the hallway floor with no pulse. His dad is dead. He dies. 
He should have gone to the hospital. You were right. Brett is devastated to lose his father, but looks up to see the little Japanese box with all of its drawers pulled out not far away. I don't know if we're supposed to believe that his dad took a cyanide pill that was trapped in one of the little... (laughs) Trapped? Oh. Well, I thought it meant something at this point. Because I don't... Blood relatives, usually it means something. Yeah. That's why this episode is very special. Did you see the box? Yeah, I don't think it... I don't think it meant anything. Okay. So next up, immediately following, we have the reading of the will in a really fancy lawyer's office. Lots of leather, lots of books. So Brett is expecting to be the largest beneficiary of the will because he's the firstborn son. And also his dad told him he was. Oh, yeah. We're told that earlier, which I didn't write down because I felt like that wasn't true. The dad told him that. That's a weird conversation. No, it's not. No, it's odd. Oh, I guess it is. You are and not your sister. I guess I just felt like he could have been like, you know, someday all of this is going to be yours about the wood shop. But we didn't get that moment. So we're just told that Brett knows that he's, you know, a big part of the will. Yeah. And apparently the wood shop is worth money or... I think it's the most sentimental. How can you give someone in your will a bit of a room? In a house. Your house. So you're not giving them the house. I think he thought he was getting the house. The whole house. The whole house. But what? And his mom is just, he's going to kick out his mom? I don't understand. That's a really good point. I really don't know. Is he kicking out the mom? Normally, the mom would get everything and then, or whoever passes away first, whichever parent passes away first gets to stay there, obviously. And then when they pass away, then they leave it to the children. That's exactly what I was going to say. So Brett is expecting to be the largest beneficiary, but surprise, surprise, everything is left to Beverly, the wife, because of course it is, because that makes total sense. Yeah. His spouse is still alive. Also, she looks about 50. She still has time. Also, it's not like she is a new wife. This is their mother. Should they have been married the whole time? Of course, she's left everything. Now, once and sometimes parents will do it that the child is left a little bit or something very specific. If it is an heirloom or something like that, absolutely. But really, property and bank accounts, stocks, things like that are going to the living spouse. And then pass down to the children. I would think so. But it really infuriates Brett. Brett doesn't get the wood shop, but the problem becomes exacerbated when Beverly decides not to give any money to the adult children. Now, I have seen this sometimes where one parent dies and the other parent who has left everything will give a gift to the child. You know, just it happens. But In this case, she's like, no, you don't get anything until I'm gone. It's tricky business. Oh, but she was going to give it to them when she was gone. We're led to believe that. We're not told that. It wasn't like she was cutting them out completely. No, she just doesn't give them anything when he passes. Okay, that's fine. Which she also doesn't have to. I don't know why they're expecting this. Unless they were completely told differently, which were not. Well, I guess he was kind of told differently by his dad. I don't know. It's weird. So as we leave the lawyer's office, we get a close-up of an hourglass with sand in it, which I'm assuming means the clock is ticking towards murder. Time is running out. A few days later, Brett goes to the wood shop and starts furiously polishing the Japanese box. (laughs) I don't think he knows how to woodwork. I think he just wants to mess stuff up. Yeah. We do see him later working on something. It looked okay. 
It was already done. Yeah, I think, I mean, the actor, he doesn't have woodworking on his skills list on his resume. That's okay. He just has to look like he can do it. So Mom Beverly comes into the woodshop and Brett gets really snippy with her, telling her that it's basically her fault that Dad died because she didn't take care of him. And this is an actual dialogue conversation, not a voiceover. Brett thinks his mom not only changed the will so that she would be the sole beneficiary, but also she stressed him out so much to the point that he had a heart attack due to stress. I mean, let's look at the last meal when he had infractions in his heart. Infractions? I don't think that's the right word. Infarct. In equ- equations in his heart? He had a nice isosceles triangle in his heart. When he was last getting upset, it was because Jose and the sister were fighting. What had nothing to do with the mom. The mom, by all accounts, took good care of the dad. Accurate. I know. I don't know. I don't understand what their beef is with their mom. She's not like their stepmom again. This is their mom. It's very strange. It's either we're not getting enough information. Right. Exactly. Or they shouldn't have told us that the mom was so great. I just don't understand. Right. Exactly. So Brett storms out of the wood shop and goes inside the house to tell his sister Candace what a B word his mom is. And he's telling her, you know the truth. And Beverly comes in the room where they are and confronts him again. But Candace is totally on Brett's side and she stands up from the couch and is apparently totally believes that her mom caused their dad's death. Why? Why wouldn't they kiss up to the mom? She has all the money and all the power right now. Wouldn't she want to stay on her good side instead of accusing her of murder by neglect? I think it's what we're witnessing is like the worst kind of entitlement. Yeah, absolutely. Just no, I'm owed this. Yeah. Are you sure? Okay. Very strange. So they leave the house. They don't want to talk to mom anymore. They're super ticked off at her. It's pretty, it's honestly pretty ridiculous. I was irritated. And Beverly's left all alone by herself to grieve alone in this big family home. And now her children won't talk to her. It's kind of sad. But she does a very smart thing now. And she decides to rent out the master bedroom of the house to two friends from church, Pamela Johns and Michael Ramsey. I guess that her and Pamela were old friends. And it's really good because Pamela and Michael not only can pay a little rent, but apparently there are some things that Beverly is unable to do, which is surprising. (laughs) Because she's in her late 70s, maybe, but the actress, again, is like 49. So there's nothing she can't do around the house. It's hard to buy that there's anything that Beverly can't do. Anyways, Pamela and Michael can also help with that. And it gives her some company in this hard time. I think it's great. When they're sitting outside, is this what they're sitting outside by the pool drinking tea? They are. What's going on with that pool? I think that, well, definitely they didn't clean the pool for the shot. It's covered in a layer of bugs and muck and leaves. Oh, I just saw leaves. But they keep doing a shot of it. They do this long shot, but I also wonder, they did something else interesting in this scene. The tea set didn't match. It sort of drove me nuts because they had these red twall plates and then they had this rose patterned teapot. And I thought Beverly would not have a tea in Connecticut, a, like teacups and teapot. I'm sorry. I lived on the East Coast. You cover your pool in the winter. Well, that's what I'm trying to say is that I feel like we're supposed to be getting the feeling that things are falling into disrepair. There are some things that she can't do, 
cover the pool, find the twall teapot. She can't okay. do these things. Right. And so she needs Pamela and Michael's help. We might be reading too much into it. This might have been a happy accident. I was wondering if that's why they left the leaves in the pool. It's like, well, she is in her 70s. Maybe she doesn't have the strength to clean the pool. Right. And I think they maybe showed that on purpose. Yeah, but we've all seen her perfectly toned upper arms. So nice try. But yes, clearly this actress isn't correct. So in order to combat that, they showed us the dirty pool. Yeah. Did it. That was it. Okay. So meanwhile, Jose and Candace are now really struggling with money. They fight all the time and they aren't getting the financial help that they're used to from Beverly because Candace was such a brat. Is being a total B word. It's her fault. Right. And walked out of the house being like, you're not giving me what I deserve. And you kind of killed dad. Yeah, that's an awful thing to say to your mother, period. They aren't getting the financial help they're used to. So it obviously is going to make Jose and Candace fight a ton. And Jose finally has had it. He's had enough with this strife at home and he wants a divorce. Also, Jose is in red at this point. Berry tones. uh, Tiffany, the daughter's in a purple tank top. Tiffany, the daughter, is caught in the middle of all of this. But further ticking off Candace is that Jose is still in a speaking relationship with Beverly, her mom. And more more than speaking? Well, that's what we were thinking, but it's only because Beverly looks so young and it's blood relatives. So we just were naturally going to think that. But also that would drive me crazy if I was getting a divorce and Oliver kept calling my mom. Yeah, that's probably true. I'd be so mad at both of them. So if she wasn't super mad at Beverly before, which it seemed like she was, now it's a level 10. It's too much. But they could get money if he continues on her good side because she seemed willing to give Jose money. She's not very smart. No, Candace is really dumb. Yeah, she's not playing this correctly. Now we see beware beware in the wooden words on the table as we go to commercial. Yeah. Finally. Some weeks have passed, and now it's Thanksgiving Day, which I threw my hands up at. We're now in the charade. We're in the charade. The Thanksgiving Day charade. So the meal with green beans and mashed potatoes and the silver dishes was an everyday... Forget about that. Fancy Connecticut. Yeah, Sunday. Yeah. I also wrote down summertime mash, because what month was that? that They're eating mashed potatoes. July? Fourth of July? Yeah, it's it's on. Okay. The police are called by an elderly woman Mm -hmm. to do a welfare check at the house because she couldn't get a hold of her friend. We don't know if the friend is Pamela or the friend is Beverly. It's fine. The police knock at the door loudly. Then they move to the back of the house because that door is locked. And as they move to the back of the house, what is it? What is it in the grass? Oh, is the lizard in the grass? Oh, you didn't see it? Is the star in the grass? No, there's a giant fish head with a cross through it. Totally missed that. Why do you think I pick this episode? Stop. This is the wackiness. Hold on. You you have to see it. I can picture it in my mind. No, 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 you can't. I would normally let that go, but not with this. It's really kind of grotesque. It's a giant fish head. Because Some, someone was sleeping with the fishes, even though there's no fish imagery in this whole episode. We had a whole episode that was fish imagery. Ew. What is... Why? Can you see it? Yeah. Someone burying a fish, putting it to rest with a cross in it above ground. I don't understand. Yeah, I see it. 
It's multiple seconds. They linger on it. I'm not happy. If y'all are interested, it's at 1727 in. There is a just a fish head that looked like it's been ripped from its body. Yeah. Very large, as big as a hand, with a cross through it with a circle around it with thorns. Yeah. It's like a midsummer sacrifice. It is the movie. Some sort of sacrifice with a fish. Is that not bizarre? Why is it there? Maybe those roommates from the church? What kind of church was this? Why do they zoom in on it? And why is it never mentioned? <laughs> I don't know. I blood relatives sometimes. Yeah, I got nothing. Wow. We didn't even get a fish line. No, it's like that pig head that we saw. It's not. We got the pig line. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. This is just a fish. Yeah, no, you're right. Somebody's sleeping with the fishes. There should have been a fish line. With a crop. Okay. Something smells fishy around here. Can you put this as the image of the episode, please? I'd say it's pretty gross. If you want it, we'll send it to you. I kind of want to put the box of spices or the pool. Anyways, there's a fish head. I don't know what's happening. I'm so surprised you didn't see it. Apologies. Darn it. Okay. Regardless, the police officers go to the back door and it's unlocked. They ignore the fish. Apparently it's invisible to them. It's fine. They go inside the house, down a hall, and the female cop tells us that she sees what looks like paint on the wall. She almost didn't think it was blood because it's so much blood on the walls. Unfortunately, blood relatives cannot paint the walls of this house that they've rented. So to <laughs> represent this, they've used a painting that is not large enough and drenched it in blood. It's very bloody. But it conveniently doesn't go on the wall. The, the paint just conveniently doesn't go on the wall. No, it only goes to this one painting. And I understand what they were doing, but I just think that maybe it would have been more effective had they used a very large mirror or something and just drench that. But instead, they use something that's maybe 10 by 10. It's not as rough. So they keep walking into the house, into this bloody area, and they find a body. The head of the body has been smashed in with what appears like a hammer. And the person is clearly deceased, and there is so much blood. The second officer goes upstairs to search and finds two more bloody bodies. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. The second officer is like 89 years old. He has like a droopy, droopy handlebar mustache and he can barely raise his gun. He does not look sturdy on his feet. I thought he was like 60. No, he's so elderly. He's like what age Beverly is supposed to be. That's funny. And I was like, man, he hasn't retired yet from the force. Good for him. But I don't know if I'd want him as my backup. Oh, this is your one guy. Remember, I thought that one lawyer that was dating the very young girl, it was a few blood relatives ago, looked so old to me. Yeah. You you think this person looks so old. That's funny. I do. And I think he has glaucoma and I don't think he should be investigating murder scenes. And to me, I was kind of excited. I was like, oh, they're like making it. That's an interesting choice. I was. That's so funny. Okay. I like because the younger woman appears to be the in charge of the duo oh yes. she seems to be like they're like a buddy cop but she's the one that's in charge 
I liked that. I did very much like them as a partnership, too. I felt safe with them. Also, the I will say that the woman the officer, the actress, does a great job. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to play that. Anyways, he goes upstairs, finds two more bloody bodies in a bathroom together, and we get a close-up of a bloody Ikea statue, the, the person thing. The little guy that sits on a table, he's wooden. Mm. They're from Ikea. But there's only blood on him. Mm. We're supposed to believe it was carved by this, by the dad. Oh, I'm sorry. I did not mean to blow up his spot. There's just, they're <laughs> very common. So anyways, it's a Thanksgiving triple homicide. When we return from commercial, we meet our main homicide detectives. Trigger warning right now because they spared no expense in this episode on special effects for the bodies. So we are getting a lot of close-up shots of the bodies with a lot of anatomical chunks. If you want to see it, go watch the episode. It's more gruesome than normal, I would say. Did you recognize the homicide detective? The hot one? Who is it? He's been on another blood relative. I knew it. Yeah. This is not the first time we've had a double dipper, and it's very exciting. Who was he? I don't remember. I think he was a son. Was he a son in the one where they had a real estate firm? One of the brothers? Is he the pig? He's the pig. He might be the pig guy who's standing by the pig. Yeah, maybe. Is that why the fish is there? I don't know. Is it all about this actor? Is this guy related to Chad the intern? I'm going to need the name and email of his manager. Yeah. Also, he's wearing the badge around the necklace, which is very hot. I wrote that down for you. Kimberly's badge badge necklace. It is large, though. It was really a big badge. It's very large. But yeah, there is a male and a female homicide investigators, and they're actually pretty good. I liked both of them, and they get some good dialogue. So that was exciting. We find out right now that the body found in the hall downstairs is the roommate Pamela Johns, which means the two bodies in the bathroom upstairs are, of course, Beverly and roommate Michael Ramsey. They mention several many times the amount of blood and other bodily things. I would say probably 20 times they talk about how much blood there was. Every interview comes on and talks about it. But really what they're trying to impress upon us is that this was a very violent crime. There's one officer that at one point says that it's the worst crime scene she's ever been in, which is pretty intense. Also, obviously, we know that because it's so gruesome, it's overkill. And it's going to be a personal crime. The investigators can tell that the murder weapon was some kind of hammer. Also, that the murderer themselves would have been covered in blood and would have likely have had to change their clothes there at the house. The bodies that they find are in pajama-type clothes. I think they say nighttime clothes. So the investigators think that this attack happened at night. Would someone think the same about you? I wear pajamas all day long. All the time I'm home. We're podcasters. It's what we do. Yeah, they would absolutely be very confused about the time of my murder. They also find one piece of evidence that's really important in the house, which is a tissue crumbled in the hall right in front of the door. And it's got blood on it. Just a Kleenex tissue. They find out that the window of the crime must be within the last 48 hours because that was the last time that Beverly used her phone, also on the decomposition level of the bodies. So the cops start to canvass the neighborhood and they find out from a neighbor that there was a white sedan-type car in the driveway a few days ago late at night, which is odd 
that Beverly would have a visitor that late. But the car description matches Tiffany's car, and we already saw the white car earlier at the dinner that wasn't Thanksgiving, so put two and two together. The investigators head immediately over to Candace and Tiffany's house, where they find three books about serial killers right on the kitchen table. Just, I don't know where they found them. I was like, we found our people. There's nothing wrong with that. I was very surprised that the people being interviewed were telling us that, well, you know, they had serial killer books about serial killing in their house. I felt personally judged. That's everyone I know. Yeah. Every single person I know. Most people that are listening to this show right now. So what would be a more appropriate book to find in someone's house to maybe not lead them towards the fact that you might have murdered someone? Like a nice book. Like a family, a book of family stories or something? Something like that. Yeah. Story worth. Yay! This holiday season, give your loved ones the gifts of memories with StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve your family memories and stories for years to come. Meaningful stories, like when your dad showed you his creepy boxes. Nice stories, like when you ate Sunday dinner with mashed potatoes and green beans like it was Thanksgiving, but it was just a regular Saturday. Maybe a whole story about that spice box and what it meant and who it had been passed down from. Yes, please. And Because we need to know what was the deal with that spice box. Did it have something to do with Plymouth Rock? Right. Every week, StoryWorth emails your relative that you give the gift of StoryWorth to a thought-provoking question like, what things are you proudest of in life? And it would be this wooden star that I carved. Correct. And I pretend I was in the army. These are my awards, mother. From army. From army. My mom has been doing StoryWorth for a year and a half because Joni's got a lot of stories. And it's helping me learn more about her. And not just about her, but about her relatives. She was telling me about a story she was writing the other day about her mom, my grandma. And I learned that my grandma didn't know her birth date and didn't have a birth certificate because she came from Europe and they didn't. They lost the birth certificate or something. So she decided to celebrate her birthday on Christmas. So it was always on Christmas, but she never knew if that was her actual birthday before. I had never known that story before. Wow. And there's like another story about my parents' wedding that involved the vice president of the United States. Never heard that story before. So there's all these fun stories that you will learn from your relatives. And at the end of the year... StoryWorth will compile all of your loved one's stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book. StoryWorth can help your family learn about each other and carry your stories on for years to come. With StoryWorth, you can give the most thoughtful, personal gift from the heart, a gift that's sure to bring on the waterworks. You want those tears when you give a gift. Yes. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to StoryWorth.com forward slash date dateline and save $10 off your first purchase. That's StoryWorth.com slash date dateline to save $10 off your first purchase. Ooh. Woohoo. Thank you, StoryWorth. Because every story is worth it. Oh, I love that. Okay. So serial killer books on the table. Don't know. Doesn't matter. The investigators ask Tiffany about her car, and she says that her mom and uncle drive her car all the time. Do they not have cars? Why are they driving her car? Do they all share one car? It's very strange. You're borrowing your 17-year-old's car on a regular basis? Does their uncle live there? Does Brett live there? Is Tiffany the product? No. Uh, Okay, no. Absolutely not. Okay, we don't get an addendum at the end of this. Game of Thrones has really done a number on me. (laughs) It's 
all a lot of things have maybe arrest development. Yeah, sure. Okay. So the investigators decide to dig through some of Beverly's paperwork now, and they find out that her life insurance policy actually recently changed, and it was changed to Jose Ortiz, Candace's husband who's trying to divorce her. The investigators find out that someone has been calling on that insurance policy to find out what the deal is, but not Jose. Jose's not the one calling. It's other members of his family. Because where's Jose? Well, the detective opens this folder that has clearly been on his desk the entire time. It's not like a new, a new folder. It's not like another detective comes in and is like, here's the new updated on Jose. He just opens the folder and is like, looks like we found Jose. And it also makes it seem like they were looking for him for a long time. Right. But you have this folder that you put together. It's not like the precinct already had a folder on Jose. You guys put this folder together and you're just re rereading the folder that you have put together. And you're like, we found Jose. He's in prison. Because it wasn't a purple folder. And all the purple folders are elsewhere in the office. You saw the 10 purple folders, right? Totally. Oh, my goodness. You totally missed the call. The The precinct is the giveaway every time. It's whatever color is accented in the precinct. Uh-huh. I know. Purple. So also you like purple. Yeah, I do. I don't know what that means. I don't want to think it's because you're you're giving up on blood relatives. It's not that. No, never. And you also didn't see the fish. Yeah, I totally missed the fish. Oh my goodness. Okay. Jose's in jail in Florida. I was disappointed in Jose. I was disappointed that we don't find out why he's in prison. I think it was some sort of illegal spice trade. <laughs> there we go. I love that. It's really good. We also find out that there are voice recordings that are purple. You had to have seen that. Yes. Okay, I saw that. Okay. Purple recordings between Jose and Beverly while he was in prison. So Beverly's not disappointed in Jose, which makes me think she was in on it and got away scot-free. So maybe it is the spice thing. She was in on the spice trade. Yeah. There we go. She is sending him commissary money and care packages. Also sending commissary money to his prison friends if they need a little extra cash. What is happening here? But she wouldn't give it to her own children. That makes me think her children are even more terrible than we have been led to believe. This is when stuff starts to get a little weird. I mean, there's some, the fish is weird already and Thanksgiving on not Thanksgiving is weird, but this is really bizarre. So what Brenda Strong tries to tell us right now is that Beverly is using this money to manipulate her children. And Brenda calls it spite money. Mm -hmm. So basically, she's giving money to Jose, who's in prison, and not giving money to Candace, who can't pay her bills, which does seem pretty lousy. Right. To teach Candace a lesson. About what? That I didn't kill your dad? What? You were mean to me, so I'm going to give it to your enemy, your ex-husband. While he can't even really use it. Right. I mean, he can use it. Top ramen. I mean, yeah, but you know what I mean. But his friends don't need the money. No, they don't. Unless they're going to beat him up in prison if they don't get money. Especially when you have a young girl who's, Tiffany's only 17. Allegedly. Allegedly. But when you're trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life, and probably that money, that commissary money, could help her out. Yeah. Okay. 
Although she does have a nice car. She's a nicer car than I have. I like that a little Honda. But also, what's the most important thing about Jose being in jail is he has a complete alibi. He didn't. He himself did not kill Andrew, but that doesn't mean he didn't hire someone to do it. And probably it would be much easier for him to hire someone when he's on the inside. So we'll see. Candace comes into the investigator's office and turns in some other recordings that she has, which are messages that Beverly left for her on her phone. Things that are really awful, like, I wish you were never born. Stuff that you really shouldn't say to your child. It's not making Beverly look very good. But we don't know how bad Candace was to make her say that. Correct, we don't. And also, it wasn't that bad. And maybe because it's an actor doing the recording, but the things were just sort of angry things. They weren't like... There's some things that are just like, I mean, I wish you were never born is really bad. But Candace said, you killed our father, essentially. Right. That's really bad, too. So I don't, this is just dysfunctional. Also, Beverly saying, how dare you take advantage of an old widow? Again, you look 45. Yeah. What can't you do around the house beside the (laughs) pool? I don't know. It's confusing. So Candace also brings the investigators another gift. What does she bring them? A receipt. No. Close. Not the receipt? And cell phones. Oh, cell phones in two cell phones in a Ziploc baggie. Yeah. She says she found these at her mother's house and the cops are immediately suspicious and I was immediately (laughs) suspicious and Kimberly was immediately sus. Uh Uh-huh. Super sus. Because, of course, they process that scene from top to bottom. There's absolutely no way. And she says she got it after the police were there and clean went through the house. Hmm. And we're like, they were in their room. No, they no. I guarantee you they went through the two murdered people's bedroom exceptionally carefully. And looked for their cell phones. Yeah. Really weird. Candace is in red, by the way. I know. That's what I noticed. And that's why I thought, got confused. No <laughs> point. It's really weird that she's bringing this stuff to the cops, but the receipt is by far the weirdest. Explain the receipt. It's like a receipt for a food. They say food place. And at the top, it says, in handwriting, it says, time when mom died or something. Time when mom was killed. This is the time mom died. Yeah. She's like, here's my alibi. I even wrote down that this was the time that mom died. And I see I have a receipt. I brought it in to show you. They haven't even asked her for anything yet. They have not asked her, where were you or anything? And she's like, here's my receipt. It's not for her. It's for her brother. Here's my brother's alibi. Because I'm happy. No, she's up. But here's my brother's alibi. Also, what time did she die? No one knows what time she died. No, the police don't even know what time she died. This is ridiculous. She makes herself look so guilty. So how does Candace know? How does Candace know when her mom died? I am so sus of Candace. Seriously sussed. Okay, I think you need to not be sus because I think that you and I are just underestimating her intelligence. I think you and I assumed that she was a certain level of smart. Right, and she's proving to be that. And she's proving to just be like, I'm being helpful. Here's this stuff. but. It's odd. It's really strange. But they can't arrest her for any of this stuff, even though I think it really makes her look guilty. She's still just a person of interest. I don't really understand that, but that's fine. But then we get a surprise witness 
the surprise witness calls the investigators with information that happened after Andrew's death. After after Andrew passed, Candace and Brett go to the bank where Andrew had accounts and they try to gain access to the accounts. But the bank officer says that they can't have access because their names aren't on the accounts. At this point, Brett gets super mad and puts his fist down moderately firmly onto the counter. <laughs> the actor did not want to hurt his hand in a reenactment for an ID show. He didn't want to break his fist by going full out with the stunt there. I, I was disappointed. He's like, here, gently place. Also, you don't have to hit fist down, hit on the side of your hand where it doesn't hurt. Oh, yeah, that would be good. Yeah, bam. Yeah, that's that would be better. It looked weirder going straight down. This is why they need us to be consultants. I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. Sign me up. So he also swears at the bank teller saying, it's Beverly, isn't it? And the bank teller messes up and says, yes, I don't know what that means. I'm assuming that Beverly put a stop on the accounts and said, if my ne'er-do-well children come in, they can't have access to this money. But Brett continues to swear and says, well, she needs to be killed. She needs to die and storms out of the bank. Who says that in public in a bank in front of a 15-year-old bank teller who looks a lot like a lot like Tiffany and might be her sister in real life? They have the same birthmark on the same part of their face. Also, how is Brett not married? Yeah, he's good looking. Charming. Super charming. She should die. I hate, I hate my mom. I mean, he was charming in the first 10 minutes of the episode. He was all whittling with his dad. What's not to love about a whittler? A tall, blonde, whittling man. So the investigators head to the wood shop. To confront Brett, finally. Why wasn't Brett first on the list? Anyways. Exactly. Brett says, of course, he had nothing to do with the triple Thanksgiving murder, and he hasn't been to his family home in months. Brett suspected the freeloader roommates that his mom had living there. The church people. Her friends from church. They maybe killed a fish and staked it in the lawn. We don't know what kind of a church. I have questions. That that fish is weird. I have questions because of the fish. And the symbol on the fish's head. And why does the fish head look like it was ripped from the body? Is it something to do with a Jesus fish bumper sticker? And then fishes in the lobes, loaves. And okay, something. That's why there's a cross in the fish. Jesus, something with fishes. I, I don't know. I just don't know why it's not buried. That means it's a sacrifice. It has to be a sacrifice. Otherwise, it would be buried in the ground. Why is it there? Was it meant to throw suspicion onto devil worshippers? Maybe. Satanic panic. I knew it. So I'm so excited. It's my favorite. So Brett has never met either of these roommates, but he tells the officers that he thinks they are, quote, bums. Which is funny because I haven't heard that word in a long time. Crumbums. They were crumbums. He's like doing a thing with the wooden thing. Yeah, explain. He's got a Christmas tree that he's whittled. Oh, is that what it was? I don't know. It's a pine cone shape and it's got ridges like a pine tree. Yeah. And he's like smoothing it out. Kind of. It's done. But he's miming smoothing it out. He's miming smoothing it out. His resume says, can pretend to whittle. Yeah. <laughs> on camera. There you go. For extra pay. 
So he tells the cops he's never met them, doesn't know them. He was at Candace's house all week mm-hmm. and only went out Thanksgiving morning to get cigarettes. So the receipt obviously is from the food store where they also sold cigarettes. Or he got multiple things. I thought the receipt was where both of them were together. Oh, so that's why she's saying. I kind of thought she was giving the receipt that covered both of their alibis, but I could be wrong. I, I missed the fish and the color, so. No, but that, that might make sense. It's weird. It's weird that she's bringing it in just for him, but stuff is weird. I mean. Yeah. So I don't know. And she is very loyal to her brother. And so then all of a sudden, out of nowhere in this scene, the giant lizard slithers behind some tools who's been missing for about 45 minutes at this point it startled me yeah we're at the end of the episode because it's been gone it literally has not been there since the very beginning we've seen it one time at the beginning where if you fast forward through the this has been dramatized yeah you'd miss it and then if you miss the time that it's at the grass Mm -hmm. or this time yeah that's it usually those this, their symbols are in like every scene. This is, was crazy. It's real bizarre. Meanwhile, at the DNA lab, they're running a test on the hallway tissue, on the hallway Kleenex, and it comes back with both Brett and Michael Ramsey's blood. So it, Brett's DNA, Michael Ramsey's blood. Obviously, Brett told the cops that he never saw them, that he never saw Michael Ramsey, has never met him. So how would both of their DNA wind up on the same piece of tissue? Brett is arrested and charged with three counts of murder in the first degree. At trial, the prosecution's theory of the case is that Brett drove Tiffany's car to the house, came in through the woods in the back. So I don't know what the point is of parking in the driveway if you're just going to go through the woods. Fine. Was he trying to frame Tiffany because it was Tiffany's car? Yes, I thought so. So he found Beverly in the kitchen in her pajamas, just happening to be throwing away some of his dad's belongings that include that beloved Japanese box. They have a confrontation over that and the fact that she has allowed strangers to move into his father's bedroom, which is also her bedroom. Her bedroom. Brother. And she tells him in our actor dialogue that we all just need to move on. And that's it for him. Instead of just slamming his fist down moderately... He grabs a hammer and chases her. She runs upstairs to the bathroom. He kills her. The noise causes Michael Ramsey to come upstairs to see what's happening. Brett kills him. Brett runs down the stairs into Pamela, kills her with the hammer as well. While doing so, while killing Pamela, he drops a wooden star from somewhere and it falls next to her. Yeah. So that was his token, like... Wouldn't the police, wouldn't they have seen that and been like, it was Brett. This is his star. We got a lot of shots of Pamela's body, but the star was not there. So I think this was maybe just a mess up on blood relatives part. Or, yeah, maybe. I don't know what it's supposed to symbolize falling star. I don't know. Brett doesn't seem like that much of a star, so I don't get it. He goes upstairs to his bedroom, his childhood bedroom, cleans himself up, changes his clothes in his bedroom, Which means we see him in very tight underwear because it's blood relatives. Which I said means that we're getting a blood relatives beefcake shot. Yep. And he bags up his bloody clothes, runs out the door and drops his tissue as he's running out, running to the front door. If you take the time to use a tissue, 
to open up a door so your fingerprints are not on the door. Is that what he did with it? Yes, he opens up a door with it. And then why would you just drop the tissue? Do you not understand? Why are you also rushing at this point? Who's coming? No one's coming. So he's obviously convicted. He gets 180 years in prison. He is old in his photo. But again, we don't know which mu- if that's his mugshot or if that's like a prison ID shot. He just looks very different. Yeah. Then everyone looks very different in this episode, more so than normal. A lot of family and friends close out this episode by coming on screen and telling us how fantastic Beverly was and how important she was to them and how the world would be a much better place with her in it. And there's one youngish girl who's interviewed most of the time and that she looked at Beverly like her second grandmother. She called her Nana and it was a family friend. And so her and her mom are both on. And she has this one little memento of Beverly, which is how we see Beverly. It's her fifth grade graduation, I guess. And it's like a really pretty frame of them smiling together. Beverly is so much older. She is like 80. She's a lovely looking older lady. She looks wonderful. But but she looks like a grandma. She has gray hair. She looks about late 70s. <laughs> the bombshell that they picked to play her. Funny. It is funny. It's interesting that they chose her, but also... It makes this crime so much worse. I really wish I hadn't seen that picture. Yeah, I know, because she looks like such a sweet older lady. It's a horrific crime. And also, you can tell by how everyone's talking about her at the end. They're disgusted with Brett as ever, you know, but much more so than even a normal blood relatives. They're Like, this was a tragedy. I felt really bad. Yeah. And also, Beverly was old and frail, and her son murdered her. It's sick. Also, I kind of believe Candace was involved. Don't sue me, Candace. But I do not believe that she is not involved. That was a hard thing to buy because they kept telling us how close they were. And I'm wondering if they did that on purpose. They just say she wasn't charged with anything. Yeah, they did. Do you did you get the wording down? I don't remember. They never say like she was cleared of any involvement. They say Jose and Tiffany were, you know, are said to have no involvement. You know, Candace has never been charged with anything. With any malfeasance. Even though she had those phones that she shouldn't have had. She had those cell phones. Why did she have those phones? Yeah, and she brought in the receipt and was all weird and was wearing red in that scene. I don't know. What's weird to me is that at the very least, we've seen people charged and serve time for knowing about a crime and not reporting it. Mm Mm-hmm. She was very clearly covering up for her brother. She should have been charged with that. Right. She obviously had major beef with her mom. She was recording their conversations where the mom was yelling at her and showed it to the police. She said, the, my, I know my mom was just murdered. Here's some tapes that show how awful she was. Why would you even do that? That just makes you look more guilty. It does. Speaking ill of the dead. Yeah. Why would you do that? And also, is there any way in the world that her being as close to Brett as she was, that he came back to her house after committing this murder because he'd been staying with her, came back to her house and didn't tell her? I think they all knew. I wouldn't even be surprised if she wasn't there that night and he's just covering for her. You think he wasn't staying there at all? No, I mean that she 
was with him that night oh. when he went and did the thing. No. Or drove him there. No. Oh, why do you think that? I don't know. It is what what would she be doing? Or maybe looking through papers because they say he did like really quick try to rifle through some papers. Mhm. He tried to find like wills and money and stuff like that. Cuz the two of them went to the bank together. Oh yeah. To try to get money when the dad died. Wouldn't you make sure that the will was in your name before you did this? Like it's horrible to do anyways, but wouldn't you? They knew that they weren't in the will. No, they didn't. How'd they know? Or maybe, yeah, you're right. Maybe they didn't. They didn't because Jose's family was the one calling. So Jose knew unless Jose told her and was like, by the way, your mom's fortune goes to me. Your mom left me all of her money. Yeah. This is why you got to tell people when you've changed your will so they know, hey, we have no reason to murder that lady. We don't get any money if she dies. Mm. It's very strange. It's a really sad case, and these people... They seem like such a nice family in the first five minutes, and then all this bad stuff was happening. Yeah, and we didn't get hardly any lizard and purple. So where was the lizard? I know, I don't know. Oh, no, there's one scene where the lizard was crawling by the pool. No. Yeah. Oh, there were four? Okay, there we go. It's right after the lizard in the woodshed that we see the lizard crawling at the poolside tea party. It's like a flashback to when she's sitting with her two friends and we see the lizard. And we get to see the lizard again? Yeah, I believe so. That's what I wrote down. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And also we do see lots of wooden tchotchkes. Like the set designer was assigned, go to every thrift store, find any sort of wooden box or figure anything wooden. Anytime we're seeing a framed photo of the family, it's surrounded by these wooden objects. The one that plays the most is like a heart that spins out and there's a picture inside it. So it's a little keepsake wooden heart. And then that little tree, which I'm calling a tree. It's just a swirly thing. And then at the end, they make it seem like Candace is so nice. And Candace and Tiffany are like looking at these wooden hearts that are kind of match those wooden blocks that said beware. And they're like lifting them up and looking at them and hugging each other. We have no one left. Dad's in prison. Mom and dad are dead and our brother's in jail. Did so. they do that on purpose? I don't know, but they make it seem so nice. Like, oh, so sweet, Candace and Tiffany. I don't know what you guys knew. Yeah, we don't. It's funny. It's an interesting. It was an interesting case, though. Yeah. Interesting. I bet there's a whole another thing and people are going to send us articles and be like oh it was blah 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 they were totally in on it everyone knows i'm sure and i haven't i did not do outside research because it's always hard on these when i do outside research it's so different that it's better if i don't know until later yeah it's better if we just focus on what the show is covering much better thank you everyone so much for listening we hope you're having a good holiday so far happy hanukkah to kimberly and all of our jewish listeners Yay, thank you. Is it still, oh, it's going to be just over. It's going to be over when this goes up. Oh, yeah, we're recording this way early. Well, I hope they had a happy Hanukkah. Hag Sameach. There we go. Hey. What, Mazel Tov's not appropriate, right? What do I say? Mazel Tov. Sure. That's more like congratulations, but that's okay. Yeah, that's not congratulations. What's, what is it? Hag. Hag. Sameach. Sameach. Very good. <laughs> I learned something new. What does that mean? Like happy holiday. Happy festival. Oh, I love it. 
Oh, I feel very fancy. That makes me happy. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much. Follow us on Date Dateline on Instagram and on Twitter. And hope you don't get whammed. Oh, yeah. That's going strong. We've already lost a few fallen soldiers. We remember them well. And we continue to fight in their honor. Oh, boy. That's intense. Yeah. All right. Be your own <laughs> fish head. Bye. <laughs> Bye.